0: Hello and welcome to Season 2 of the Chai Break Podcast. This is your
1: host, Shwetar and Ramachari from New York City. This season, we're excited to interview a roster of amazing South Asian women who have broken barriers, questioned norms, and continue to make a mark for themselves.
0: They come to you from all over the globe, from Bangalore to New York, Melbourne, and everywhere in between. We hope you enjoy these conversations as much as we do and chime in along the way. So let's get started. Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Chai Break Podcast. Honestly, though, this isn't just another episode. It's the one episode we've looked forward to bringing to you for months now.
1: Right, Rama? Oh, absolutely. Yes, yes. So thrilling and so excited we are. We're very excited for our Chai-vization with the amazing Anjali Bhimani.
2: Hi, Anjali. How are you? I love, I love that you just called it a conversation. How have I never heard <laughs> this before? <laughs> oh. I have auntie grown this old, and I still have never heard this once in my life. Uh, that is true. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You're almost making me tempting me to speak in my Indian accent. Yes, Auntie, <laughs> we should all be having our chai conversation now.
0: <laughs> this is awesome.
1: <laughs> all right, but before we just jump right into our chai conversations, chai conversations, let me introduce you, Anjali. Anjali Bimani is an award-winning Indian-American actress who can currently be seen as Auntie Ruby in Miss Marvel on Disney Plus. She's also well known in the gaming community as Rampart in Apex Legends, Symmetra, and Overwatch, the novel, I'm sorry if I'm going to kill this, it's Fyra, Rai, yes. Fyra, Rai, Alexandria Unlimited, and the proud and feisty Miriam on Undead Bird, both by Critical Role Studios, as well as many more games and other performances by the way i have to tell you that i'm not a big video game fan but my kids are and when i was telling them that i'm actually you know we're doing a podcast with you and i ran through all these names without having a clue of who they are they just jumped up in joy so Aww. you can, your audience is like you know at all ages and all stages and you i can tell you you've conquered the teens pretty good <laughs> <laughs>
2: It's my, it's my way of, of holding on to my youth until the day I die. Just connecting with every generation I possibly can.
1: Everybody just knows you, Anjali. That's the beauty about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. In addition, I'm, and I'm not done because you don't have an easy resume to uh, go through. <laughs> You've done so many wonderful things. So, in addition to Miss Marvel on television, um, Anjali has recorded in dozens of on screen roles, including Bina on special on Netflix. Uh, Bina. And Nina Patel on Modern Family, ooh, and Joya in Alex, Inc., um, as well as other shows. It goes on SWAT, Silicon Valley, Criminal Minds, Grace and Frankie. Oh, my goodness. Oh, that's not a show. You it's really don't insane. have to read the whole thing. <laughs> I've, been, I've, been, I've been so many. Uh, wait, wait. This is actually really interesting. On Broadway, you've been seen as Bollywood diva Rani Andrew Lloyd Webber's Bombay Dreams and as Mira and others in Mary Zimmerman's metamorphosis. Trust me, this this list is quite long. But the most important, the most fun, I think we're going to have tonight is that you're the creator of the I Am Fun Size series on YouTube and the author of I Am Fun Size and So Are You, a book to be released in fall 2022 that's created to help people find the fullest lives they can through life's challenges and taking fun seriously like Anjali does. So without further ado, Angelique, and again, a formal welcome to the Chai Break Podcast. So lovely
2: to finally meet you. Hi hey guys, it's me, Angelie. Oh wait, that's not my real voice. Hang on a second. <coughs> hey guys, it's me, Angelie. I'm here. Nope, hang on. Hello? Hello this is me, Angelie. No, this is Julia Child. I'm so sorry. I- I'll be right back. <coughs> Hi guys, this is me, Angelie Barani, and you are listening to the Chai Break Podcast. <laughs> nom, 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 nom so lovely to find me jumping the bit like oh god I just (laughs) done um I I was doing a I was I was teaching a class the other day because one of my favorite things to do is is talk to young actors who are just like on their way into the world or young performers and uh they asked me like like, can can you just give us a sense of what you've done and I went through and I I almost forget things and I the other day I forgot Miss Marvel which is ridiculous How do you forget that? But I was so excited to talk to them that I kind of like didn't want to hear any of that stuff because this is where I feel like the sauce is—is is getting talked to other people. Yeah,
0: yeah, totally, totally. I mean, if us knowing Anjali just like talking to her a handful of times, and if you know Anjali or follow Anjali on social media at Sweet Anj with an extra E because she's extra sweet you know <laughs> big
2: old spelling rebel i'm the only indian who decided not to learn how to spell correct
1: she was you a can... spelling bee rebel that's true
2: <laughs> yeah, well, although i did win the fourth grade spelling bee because of dungeons and dragons i just want to point that out hmm.
0: i mean you can tell her she has an infectious smile and so much energy it feels like sunshine on a cloudy
2: day just like here it is today in new york city right uh-huh. <laughs> yes <absolutely. laughs> too too absolutely. sweet no i'm I was I was so happy that our mutual friend connected us. She is such a dear, dear. I can't I can't speak about her enough. And when you were talking about the theater uh, stuff that I've done, that's how I met her. This is my friend, our, our friend mm-hmm. Deborah Kaplan. She she had written a beautiful play and dropped it off backstage uh, and said that I I'm doing this reading at the Players Club. Would you please be a part of it? And I read the play and I immediately uh, hit her back and I was like, I I will pay you to let me create this. Like, what can we do to make this play happen? And that was the beginning of a very, uh, very tight sisterhood uh, for many, many years to come. And yes. and I feel so honored that you know she introduced us and made this happen. So it really and means so, so much. Highly so of you too. You should know that one of the reasons that like she, she, well, she's she's a wonderful human being, but she does not suffer fools. And yeah. so uh, she's very, very smart, very, very wise. And uh, and so just the fact that she was so excited to connect us made me excited to meet you. And then. Yay. Yeah, this this episode is all about excitement, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> totally, <laughs> it is. This was bound to happen. This was bound oh, yeah. to happen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one thing in the bio, uh, I just realized we might have sent you some old information because it says that the book is coming out in fall 2022. Mm-hmm. Well, it is fall 2022 right now. So the book is coming out. The book is coming out. Uh, that's right. And at some point, we'll have
1: to discuss the date of release. And it's going to be exciting for the audience as well. So Anjali, you're a first generation Indian American both parents, doctors, very similar scenario as my, although I'm not a first-generation Indian American, I grew up in India, both parents were doctors. So let's talk about your growing up years. And where are you, where were your parents from in India? And do They you were consider- both from Mumbai.
2: Uh, they were born in different places, but they spent most of their life in Mumbai, and that's mm-hmm. what they said. And uh, they moved from there to they did their, let me see if I got, I always flip this. And I, they did their internship, their their medical internship in Coney Island. And mm. then they did their residency and we created their practices out in Cleveland, which is where we were, where I was born and my brother was born. And mm. then right before I turned four, we moved to Orange County, California. And uh, yeah, and so I spent most of my childhood and my teenage years in uh, in Orange County. So do you say yours was a typical South Asian family? Not even close. Uh, We were not the typical as I learned to see typical. Because you're in your own family. You assume that that's how everybody else is, right? But then uh, as time went by, I realized, oh, this is my parents are not your average bear. Like, this is a whole different thing. My parents are both surgeons, yes. But they met doing a play in medical school. They had that artistic bent within them. That's amazing. such an appreciation for all disciplines, for all, for the arts, for, for science, for literature, for all of it. It was a very full upbringing. Um, So there was never a sense of, there there was never a sense that anything that you were passionate about was less than anything else. That is such, it feels like such a breath of fresh air to hear that because- It is, you know, this is what we hear as typical, but I'm starting to feel like now as the generations progress, it's becoming stereotypical because Mm -hmm. there are so many more parents- who are turning and seeing? oh, wow, as long as my kid is happy, I really don't care what they do. And uh, I think all parents, ultimately, all parents want is for us to be safe, for us to be secure, and for us to be happy. And I think the challenge comes in when parents think they know much, 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 much better than their kid, what their kid should want. And my parents were like, you do whatever you want. You're going to have to figure out how to make a living doing it. But we are behind you you're, if you if you work at it and if you apply yourself and if you don't you know, go to college, do all the things, make your money however you can. You know, if you do all of that, we are 100 percent behind you. And and then there's no question. And you're mm-hmm, like, well, it's mm-hmm. like any other job then. It was later in my career that I started to have the doubts of like, oh, well, maybe this is supposed to be hard. Oh, no. Well, maybe I'm I'm supposed to be. And as you, as you get that feeling, whether from the outside world or yourself. Uh, you, you get that, you know. Oh, artists have to struggle. or oh, artists are bad with money. All these bullshit myths. Oh, sorry. I hope you can curse. Um, all these. <laughs> you can totally do it. Okay, good, good. Because <laughs> that's I guarantee. You, you read my book. Um, well, I started to buy into these myths that that we are told from the outside world about what an artist's life is like. And I say artists, not because my I think of my acting as high art, because I think it's encompassing all people who are doing some artistic form for their life choices for their career as their life path whether you are a fine artist whether you are a violin player whether you are an actor whether you are a producer whether you are uh, there's so many other things you could be in the arts but -hmm. i think so many of us fall prey to these myths that you're not going to that basically just contribute to this feeling of if i succeed it's like winning the lottery Mm -hmm. or that of course it's possible (laughs) Right, like, right. There are people doing it. Why not me? There are people working today. Why am I not? Why would I not be one of them? Mm-hmm. Wow. That kind of thing. And also, I remember, I remember having this conversation distinctly with one of my aunties and uncles at a at a party when I was a kid because I was a little bit of a snarky kid. Um, <laughs> uh, they they were talking about how like oh well you know you're you're going to go into the arts you're going to be an actor and you know it's going to be hard because you're going to have to be very very famous before you can make any money. And I was like, you're a doctor, right? Are you famous? <laughs> Very <laughs> good point. I can tell you I'm a doctor, I'm not famous. I'm <laughs> oh to be famous, be successful, and make a living at the thing I love. Why do, why is that the criteria to you? Oh, we just have so many myths. And I have a whole project I'm working on right now to dispel these myths in in the minds and hearts of actors and artists all over the globe. Because it's just it's just contributing people's unhappiness to live that way. That is so phenomenal.
1: You're making a really good point, Anjali. And I think that's where, um, you know, there's there needs, needs to be a lot of education with regards to people pursuing creative uh, fields, because somehow when it comes to creativity, you just have to become famous. You just can't do. And, you know, that's the only path to actually making a living. And, um, you know, everybody has to be a Brad Pitt or Tom Cruise or in women, Priyanka Chopra or whatever, you know, to actually start making money. But I think what you're saying is right. It's ridiculous because I have a 13 year old who is also interested in acting, who also wants to tap into a creativity. And I feel that's fantastic because and like you said, as as doctors, kind of medical school kills creativity for us. So although but there's a creative side that's burning and wants to come out, but we're like, you know, it's, we're in a whole different field. But when I see her. I'm like so happy for her. I'm like, go,
2: go do all this stuff, you know, do whatever makes you happy. I feel like it's also become so much more accessible. And perhaps right. that's one of the factors that, that I'm not really giving you know paying homage to right now is that it has become more possible in in today's day and age to make to make some money or to find security in several different arts at a time whereas once time it was you have to pick a path and you're either a theater actor or you are a television actor or you are a commercial actor and never the twain shall meet Mm-hmm. I very early on discovered that I was not good at making one decision. I don't like it when someone's like, what's your favorite, anything. I'm, I, my brain explodes because <laughs> I, I, I mean, I can tell you who my favorite person is and I can tell you who my favorite dog is. That's about it. That's all I got. Everything else is, it's too hard to choose. And I felt that way about acting. Like I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know my favorite medium is. It's the one that I'm doing at the moment. Right. And because now in today's world it's no longer that you are an unfocused person now it's that you're diversifying your creative portfolio the same way we do with our investments the same way we are told to do our whole lives a liberal arts degree means you have a full degree right well Mm -hmm. why wouldn't we have a full artistic life why would you ever turn down a way to scratch that itch if it could possibly lead to you being happier no, that's that's simply phenomenal because, I mean, I don't think I've
0: come across anyone with a body of work like you. The number of different disciplines within the performing arts space that you've dabbled into and you've done it successfully. Um, just just tell us a little bit about all the different mediums and how all of that just happened. Because, you know, from talking to Deborah recently, she was like, I didn't even know when she got into the voiceover field. Like she was, when I met her, she was just doing like, Theater and film, and then all of a sudden, this happened and it exploded.
2: Yeah, it, it's. I feel like the entire my entire career has been a combination of like, oh, 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 me. You want me to do that? Okay, sure. Like a whole lot of I. I get to do that. Uh, oh, you want me to do that? Okay, cool. It, it's. It's been a lot of just saying yes to things that I didn't realize I was either allowed to do or that I could do. I didn't necessarily study but I had the I was very lucky because I do think that a theater education and not just an acting for theater education but a theater education where you know where you can run the lights where you can run the soundboard where you can handle the costumes where you can learn the you could be the dramaturg a theater education where you learn the whole way the whole thing works I think that's a great place to start as an artist and I mean as an actor because that carries over into so many different other media. And um, so, yeah, I, it's been just a lot of like, wait a minute, can I do that? It's sort of like going to a different country. It's like, oh, great, I can go there. Let me try that. And I started doing that too, where I just started going to different cities and seeing what I could do. And so, gosh, yeah, I started in theater because let's be honest, like very few high schools and elementary schools have a film department, but they all have a school play. They all have a drama department. So theater was my first love. Then, uh, probably in, so yeah, I moved with a show that went to Broadway *Metamorphoses*, I and moved with that to New York, stayed there, started doing more theater musicals, did an opera, did some regional theater, and then, uh, started doing television when I was out there, um, did law and order SVU, which was my first job and the Sopranos and a bunch of stuff. And then I started going back and forth between New York and LA to do, oh, and commercials were, were in there too. Um, and then started to go back and forth between New York and LA because I was starting to think, Oh, I want to learn more about TV. And at the time, Los Angeles was the place to be for that. Did a lot of back and forth there. Finally stayed put in Los Angeles, uh, but still juggling because I didn't want to let go of any of the things I was doing. I was having so much fun doing anything I could. Um, so I was out here doing theater, doing commercials, doing television. And then the voiceover world opened up to me. And that opened up just through auditions, just through the opportunity, you know, presenting itself and me saying yes. Uh, and I think that's kind of that's again, that's like my whole career is, is saying yes to, the th- to things that seem like I may possibly even want to try them. Not just like, oh, I know that this is what I want to try. It's like, um, let's try it. Let's see if I like it. I'll try anything twice. Let's do it. Let's check it out. First time time's, first time's a throwaway. You got to do it twice. <laughs> but uh, so the voiceover world opened up to me. And I do think that because of my theater training, my vocal training in the theater, I think that's one of the reasons that voiceover opened up quite as wide as it did. Uh, you know, I knew how to modulate my voice and was used to making silly voices and, you know, all this kind of stuff. <laughs> do Whatever I want, whatever, you know, whatever I could with my voice. Um, and then, the, like, the, the what I feel like is the biggest miracle of my career. So, when I was a kid, when I was like eight years old, I started playing Dungeons and Dragons. I was a big gamer, loved it, loved it, loved that, loved computers, all of that stuff. But it wasn't cool back back in my day in 1902, it wasn't <laughs> gamer kids. Uh, so I kind of did it like I kind of hid, you know, I remember waking up at like midnights when my roommate was asleep and then playing my video games so no one would know, like I I kind of hid that part of me and was living a little bit of a dual life while I was also trying to do all of these other things. So that part of that, that thing that I loved so much, but that was still just recreational for me, that kind of went by the wayside, but God bless it. It came right around and the, the ability to not just with overwatch and the voiceover stuff with, with apex and fallout and all that, but with tabletop gaming um, with Dungeons and Dragons and other role-playing games, uh, which have become much more mainstream now. Uh, there's been a lot more representation of it in the media, Stranger Things, you know, was so centered around that, that first season. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right. And, uh, and people are doing it in, in the most incredible ways now. So now I get to play D&D with my friends as a professional actor with other professional actors on live streams, and that's part of the acting, the storytelling I get to do, and it's mind blowing to me that I get to do that.
1: You are yeah. what I call a versatile actor here, Anjali, because you kind of, you know, dabbled in so many different things. You don't make yourself known for only one particular thing or one particular feature. That's
2: amazing. I will use just a slightly different word because yeah. I think we dabbled kind of gives might might give people the the sense that I just kind of dip my toes in. Here's one thing that I I I if I'm doing something at any given moment, I am doing it. Mm-hmm. It might be mm-hmm. for five minutes, but I'm in. Um as I as you guys both know, as I've said in my book, I take my fun very seriously. seriously. If, I'm, if I'm going to take time to have fun, I am going to have fun. <laughs> so even Love if it's it. a Love five it. minute
1: roll, you're there completely absorbed in it.
2: Yes. Why not? Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, and I think one of the one of the this might sound like it's a, not related, but I really do think it is. One of the um, biggest challenges we have in today's society is the fact that I think I honestly think these gadgets are are creating ADHD in in all of us. Oh, absolutely, creating the inability of us not just to focus, but to be satisfied. Yes, yes. You know, mm-hmm. I know it happens to me where I'm like, I'm I'm doing something I love. But that notification will go off and I immediately will like, you know, you clock it. You can't help but doing it. So it's been a very concerted effort for me to hold on to that commitment to everything I do. Um, do not disturb is my best friend. Um, it's it's because I don't you just I can't enjoy something unless I'm there, mm-hmm. unless I'm really in it. Mm-hmm. And that's why when I say it's different than dabbling is because I think whatever level of expertise you have with something or experience with you that you have with something, the commitment to being in it can make up for your lack of experience. It can make up for your lack of expertise because you are 100% present in that moment with that thing. You are paying attention. I remember uh, we were doing a a production of roof of the world and -hmm. there was a young actor who would come to rehearsals and he would come to rehearsals when they weren't even working on his scenes to watch the other actors because he wanted to learn level of, I want to be in it. That's how I want to live my life.
1: Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a great yeah. message for, especially the younger audience who want to aspire to, you know, to, to be someone like you, especially creative or any, any profession you take. I think your message just grows across for any, any particular field. Yeah. That's a great message. for. Yeah, yeah, don't great. Please don't, I
2: don't want anyone listening ever to thank you just because you can have it all does not mean you would, you have to have yeah. it all. If there is one thing you love and you want to focus all your life on it, do it. Mm -hmm. I may jump in, I may jump from game to game, but the developers who create those games, they're working on those for years before they come out. The filmmakers who make a movie could be working for five, 10 years on that project, but they are so committed to it and that is their love and that is their passion and that is their purpose, which are two separate things. They have a purpose that is driven by their, that is uh, fulfilled by their passion. Mm -hmm if if you have one thing or two things or just you know, if there's something that you are that passionate about that you can focus on it and get in that flow state whatever it is go for it I just I just I'm not very satisfied doing only one thing <laughs> that's awesome we love that So oh,
0: now, coming to your latest project, you're coming out with your first book. I'm <laughs> fun size, and so are you. And it's releasing September
2: 26th. That's right. right. Oh paper- my god! The paperback and the audio book are coming out September 26th. I think I feel like this might be the first time that we are like publicly announcing that. Woo-hoo. Right. Very exciting piece of news. That I'm. I'm the one reason I'm glad that we were able to that we needed to do this podcast so much later, even though we kept trying to do it earlier is that at this point, the ebook has been out. And I am shocked in the most pleasant way to say that we hit number five on the Wall Street Journal. We hit number one in eight categories on Amazon. We hit the bestsellers on Barnes & Noble. We hit bestseller list on USA Today. Like, it's just not something that entirely computes to me. But again, I feel like most of my career has been that way. Like getting to do Broadway with a bunch of my college friends, it did not compute with me how awesome. That was until we were well into it. Mm-hmm. It was just like, well, this just feels like I'm doing the thing that I love to do. And I'm trying to do it to the best of my ability. How did that happen? So it's really wonderful. And I, and I, I'm really grateful that all the books that I decided to write first, it's the one that I wrote as a love letter to the community of people who have been so giving online not just my family and friends, but just this, this group of this community of artists and gamers and cosplayers and all these mm-hmm. people so supportive of the artists that they want to see succeed. It's a, it's a level of, um, just passion and support that I've never, I have never seen in my life in yeah. another artistic community.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, Anjali, when I was trying to, um, look at your, your videos, like, you know, trying to get to know you outside there because we've talked to, uh, probably a couple of times. I saw some of your videos on the internet and everywhere you should see the comments below any of those videos. People just absolutely love you. They just love you. I mean, you have such a variety or, or different kind of You've audience across all age ranges. And you've kind of played yourself in so many different characters that connects with so many people, be it video games and or movies or television, you know, and everywhere there's so much love. So what you just said, is absolutely right. I just go on the internet and all I can read is how about how much people love you. So and that reflects a lot on the book as well, which is a fantastic read, uh, by the way. And we're so glad to be doing the feature. Yeah. Featuring your book on this podcast.
0: Yeah. And thank you for sending us the book so graciously. Oh, yeah. I mean... I, I just have so much to say, but I'll say this. It is such a fun read, quote unquote, because <laughs> it hits the nail on the head about like big real life adulting stuff. And you do it in the most real way possible. It's like having a conversation with a friend because you know, like there are tons of self-help books out there, right? But this felt like I'm sitting on
2: the couch and actually having a conversation with a friend. That's what I wanted it to feel like, because- yeah the word self-help makes me want to stab myself in the eye with a fork it's just like <laughs> I, I don't like this whole prescriptive sense yeah that, that uh, or preachy for that matter because what i what works for me might not work for someone else mm-hmm. if i'm sitting on the couch talking to a friend of mine who has been through something and i am i am trying to be here for them in the most constructive way i'm not going to start with you know what you should do i'm going to start with gosh i don't i really don't know maybe uh, i don't know exactly what you're going through but this Sounds a lot like when this happened with me. And let me tell you what what that was about. Yeah. And when, again, going back to storytelling, nobody wants to be told what they should do. Like nobody wants to be forced. Let me put it Mm -hmm. that way. And forced to do something like that or made to feel wrong for not doing something. But everyone likes a good story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I feel like that for me is a really fun way to share the one, the only thing I have to share that no one else has to share. Is, is me, is my unique set of experiences yeah. and how I have lived them and how I have survived them, whether gracefully or ungracefully and in many mm-hmm. of them. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, uh, you just keep it so raw and
0: so real. I mean, it's something that everybody can relate to and, you know, to some instance in their life and experience in their life. And, uh, you know, what, what's interesting to me is how you actually started this whole idea of, you know, I'm fun. size so started out as a YouTube series So tell us a little bit about how it turned from the
2: YouTube series and eventually, you know, in the form of a book. Sure, sure, sure. Well, first of all, let's talk about the term fun size, because I know in the world, uh, in general, fun size tends to mean small things, Um, small people, small candy bars, whatever it is. And for the longest time, I had wanted to do some kind of like just as an artistic outlet, a blog or a vlog or whatever we decide to call it. But I couldn't figure out what I wanted to say. I was like, I I don't want to just do something for the sake of doing it. If you don't have something to say, don't talk. Um, like if you don't have something important to say or unique to say, like you don't have to say anything. Mm-hmm. But then when the, when we started connecting with the Overwatch community and that led to a larger gaming community outside of this game, just like everybody, you know, embracing this group of people, people would DM me very personal questions about their lives. And I was like, I I am not a doctor. I just play them on TV. I do not feel, I'm not qualified to do this for you. But the more that kept happening, the more I kept realizing, oh, I really wish I could tell them about this time in my life without sounding like I'm telling them what they should do. And so there was one night, very specific night, uh, where I got on Twitter and I was just like, you know what, I'm gonna just put out there, let's have a fan art Friday. And I thought maybe one or two people would send in their art and it'd be fun and whatever. All of a sudden, so many people sending their art, all levels, all different styles, all different kinds, sharing other people's art. It just bam, 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 bam. And immediately I was floored by that giving. And the following thought was, Anjali, what the fuck are you doing sitting on your ass and not putting something out there because it's not perfect? Get your ass up and give something back to these people because they give so much to you. And finally, it clicked to me that fun size for me is not about being small. It is about what we all are. We're all built for fun. We're all built for huge lives. We're all built to experience everything life has to offer. But the problem is the world has this way, uh, experiences, whatever, of making us feel small or scared or afraid or alone. We have all these things that can make us start to contract our energy and become less of ourselves. Um, I know it happened to me in a ton of relationships. I know that happens to a lot of people in whether it's a toxic relationship or just not the right one. And that night I am fun size was born because that I said that very thing to everybody. We are all built for this. And what I want to do is offer up. You ask me a question, whatever it is. Please don't ask me a question about my characters or something you can actually learn on the Internet. You've got me. Mm -hmm. I'm right here ready to ask you anything. Ask me something you want to know. And I started and I put out a, a public email address, Anjali at Iamfunsize.com. It is still there. And people just started writing in their questions. And again, I wouldn't say this is what you should do. I'd be like, what an interesting question. It sounds a lot like this thing that I experienced. Or when I experienced this, this is how I found my way through. And what was an unexpected bonus of getting to do this was that I knew I knew it was going to be hopefully of service to other people but I didn't realize how good it was going to be for me because it made me actually think about and be able to verbalize certain mindsets or thought processes or, or just things that I do in my life. You know how they say, if you want to know, if you know something, try to teach it to someone else. Mm -hmm. It It was that moment of, okay, I know that when I lost faith in myself after this experience, I know I got it back. How did I get it? Oh, it's kind of like retraining your body after you have an accident and using your proprioception. Your body has to learn to feel safe in space, and that was a very new way for me of putting it. Mm-hmm. So it's it's been this wonderful kind of circular experience, and I'm really grateful to say that at, at conventions, at, at um, you know, at comic cons and stuff that I, that I do a lot. I would have people come up to the table and say this episode changed my life or this episode inspired me to go get this job. This episode inspired me to pick up the pen and start writing whatever it was. This episode mm-hmm. helped me with my relationship with my my brother or my sister, or my dad, that kind of stuff. That's the sauce right there. Like mm-hmm. it's one thing to play a character. It's one thing to to be in people's hearts and homes that way. It's a whole yeah. other thing you to know that something you offered them actually made a difference in their life that they craved.
1: You took it from your own story. Instead of saying, like, this is what you need to do, this is the advice if you have this issue, you just used your storyline as a sort of a message to people who are having different sorts of issues, or maybe no issues, just want to have fun, want to think different. You know, so
2: that's actually great. Yeah. Well, people wanted to see something in a new way that maybe they yeah. had. Because it's not, you don't have to be in a dark cave to read this book. Like you can be the happiest person alive and read this book and still be like, oh, oh didn't think of it that way. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, it's something that you did that hopefully you can get something out of. And the, the way the book basically happened was that I just wanted to expand on the series and get into more hands and get into more people's lives. And I think there are a lot of people who respond better to being able to carry a book around or throw it in their backpack or read it on their Kindle. I I think of books, books are like stepping into the author's mind. Mm -hmm. My wall, you can't see it right now, but I have books everywhere here. (laughs) Um, A lot of stuff everywhere here. Actually, it's very messy office. But um, I just love the experience of books, audiobooks, ebooks, but physical books really Mm are my and, um, and I very much wanted to create an experience for the reader. So it's not just the writing in the book that mattered to me, it was the, the visual way it was presented too. Yes. Um, much more. It's 312 pages. So it's not a kid's book, but it is much more graphic design and much more art and these gorgeous, adorable illustrations by Vivian Trung, who just, she's phenomenal. I met her I met her because of that fan art Friday. She posted something. Wow. That's awesome. So you mean to say it's a fun sized book? It is, it is definitely, a <laughs> it is definitely a fun size book, but it's not, it's again, It's not short. It's just, it's easy reading. I don't it want is- anyone to be daunted by the thickness of this book. I'm like, yeah, but then you know, look at the print, you guys. I mean, you're, you're going to be fine. Exactly. Yeah. There, there are pictures of my dog in here. My, there's a picture of a dog in a plane. That's my favorite page right there. Playing a lute.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That is so funny. You talked about it's a Charlie, because that was one of our questions. You have the most adorable <laughs> smart dog, Charlie. God, I have and, the greatest
2: dog ever. Sorry to everybody else who thinks that they do, but I do. <laughs> and
1: you've incorporated Charlie's Charlie lessons throughout the book. But what's yeah. a favorite lesson you learned from Charlie?
2: Oh, the most important one that I ever, I, I didn't realize I was learning until as soon as I did, it was literally like a light bulb went off. For years and years and years and years and years, and years of my life, really probably for the majority of my life, you know, people will say, oh, you have to learn to love yourself and you can never love anybody else until you love yourself. And my reaction to that was, oh, well, fuck me. I guess I'm screwed because I don't know how to love. My, I don't even know what that means. And now I can't have a relationship because I don't know what that means. And no one's going to tell me. Great. Thanks, guys. I'm screwed. <laughs> and I, Because no one knew how to say, they could give you ways to do it, but no one knew what it really, like no one could really verbalize to me what it meant. And then I realized, first of all, I disagree with you have to love yourself before you love someone else. I believe you can learn to love yourself by seeing how you love other people and, or how you love your dog. And that is what Charlie taught me is I realized, wow. You know, I may be sitting here eating pop chips, but he's going to have the best, most nutritional diet on the market. There might be a bone sticking out of my leg, but I will make sure he has walked. I will take care of his happiness no matter what. I will make sure he has snuggles and he has safety. I will, you know, if, if I can't be in town, I'll make sure he's taken care of by someone cool. All of these things. And I will give him tough love if I need him to focus up and do something that is safe for him or that, that is not dangerous, I don't want him to run out in the street. So I'm going to train him. Right. Never, never going to call him bad dog. Never going to talk ill of him to him or to anyone else. Well, think about how we treat ourselves. Think about right. the utter cruel things that we can say to ourselves and think it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Not okay. I would never say that to my dog. I don't call my dog bad. I don't ever think I've ever used the words bad dog in seriousness. Right. But you'll call yourself a bad person. You're calling yourself an idiot or maybe you won't, but I I've called myself an idiot, an asshole, a moron. You name it. If there's an insult, I've said it to myself. And so when I realized, Oh my God, that's all I have to do is like, I can love myself even when I don't like myself because it's an action, not just, it's a verb, not just a noun that, that changed the game for me, really changed the game for me. And if I noticed myself, starting to veer into other stuff, I'd be like, no, 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 no. Come on. You're Charlie. Go back. Go back. (laughs) (laughs) Stop treating yourself like you. Start treating yourself like Charlie. Let's go. Um, And then to add to that, you know, obviously I saw that in my relationships. I did not love myself very well when I met my husband. When I first met him, I was working through a lot. I was working through the end of a very tumultuous and probably not very good for either of us relationship. I I uh I was very depressed. I was sad. I was scared, like everything. It was just like a really, really, really low point. And then I met Charlie. And then three weeks later, I met my now husband. And I did not know that those next few years, I was going to teach myself to love myself by loving them really well. That's beautiful. That's that beautiful. right there for me. If anyone, if you don't know what that means to you, that's okay. You'll figure it out. Do not think that you cannot find love because you don't know what the answer to that is. Because that's bullshit. You get to define it. You get to figure it out. So yeah, that that lesson. That's that's one of the six lessons in the book that I'm yes. very. Oh yeah. my god,
1: that's such a great message. Uh, I've learned I've learned a thing or two in this from this conversation, Anjali. That's uh, such a beautiful message. Yeah. And I have two dogs, two Miniature Schnauzers. And as you were talking, my mom's like doing an audio visual of them <laughs> and how they love. Us, I mean the whole family and how I love them back. It's just such a nice reciprocal, um, you know, uh oh, what i it's feeling, right? It's so mutual. And um, you know, I have to tell you, before uh we got these dogs, well, there was love in the house. There was love in the family. Don't get me wrong. But somehow they come and just change the whole equation to a whole different level. And then they show they just walk in and say, All right, you guys love each other, move aside, let's teach you. How does
2: that? I do think there is a like I I don't know if you believe in I mean it's science so one should believe in this but I don't know if your listeners also like believe in energy fields and and how we affect each other. One hundred percent.
1: That's literally our mantra.
2: Oh, yeah. fantastic, wonderful. Well, a a dog or I I don't know I'm not a cat person but maybe cats are the same way. Dogs for me are the are the answer as long as they haven't gone through like an, an abusive situation or something that has made them other than they naturally are, there is this purity to their energy, right? They're kind of this open book that, that is ready to be written on. And it is all love from the beginning. I was the one who freaked out when I got Charlie. I was the one who's was like, Oh my God, I'm going to kill this dog. I've never had a dog report up going to be the worst mother, blah, blah, blah. And the dog was like, chill, dude. I just like, <laughs> <laughs> some toys. I'm fine. I don't know. Just play with me, scratch my back, pet me. Here, let me show you. Come on. this <laughs> And that purity, I think, I, I think for a lot of people, I don't have children, but I think for a lot of people, having children does the same thing. um You know, because, you know, as they grow to be older and adults, there's obviously a lot of complexity with people. But as a baby, when there's that purity of your energy or that purity of, a, of wonderment, mm. The world connecting mm-hmm. that as a grown person is a very special thing it's a very powerful thing yeah and I think uh it's it's probably very similar to how I feel like my dog I'm not comparing a relationship with a pet to having children I know that they are two very different things or at least you know I mean they're two very different species so they're two very different things but how I feel about my dog I feel like is a, is a similar thing
0: mm-hmm. that's the I mean your whole relationship and the way the book has taken a journey is so beautifully like weaved you know all the stories the lessons and you know charlie and the fun i mean fun is a big part of the book you know so of course um you take having fun very very seriously i love that my
2: friend marisha who did the foreword that is her, That that is the part she focused on. Because yes. I didn't realize how much I said it. Yeah. I guess that is my, like,
0: <laughs> that's one of my rules. Mm-hmm. But one of the things you said was, you know, you talk about in the book is when life gets messy, it does for all of us, you know, you've mentioned in, in the book about kind of your spiritual side. Where does that come from? And is it part of like, you know, how you were raised, you know, your family or, you know, how did... Where were the tools? Because like throughout the book, you have the you have a tool bag, but yeah. a fun little tool bag, because you talk about how if you take every challenge as a game, you know, you kind of learn how to maneuver it and you have a better mindset. So tell us
2: about that. Well, I, I know for a fact, a lot of it came from my mother. Um, while my parents were both Hindu and not not particularly devoutly practicing regularly, but enough that we you know, had an understanding of it in the house but but my mom in particular my dad was was definitely spiritual but my mom in particular was very outwardly so and both of them basically offered what they had and said now you decide what of this you want you decide what this means to you because you got to figure out your relationship with god or the gods or the spirit or universe you got to figure out what that means for you that's not our job yeah. and i feel like that is such a beautiful way to introduce spirituality into any person's life. Like no kid should have to choose their religion. No one should have to have their spirituality or their spiritual construct forced upon them. Because ultimately I think all, all religious traditions have at their core similar spiritual issues. Be good to each other, take care of each other. Don't be assholes, don't hurt each other. You know, like it's it's all very, very connected. It's when, it's when we get into my God is better than your God that everything gets fucked. So that spirituality, definitely, my mom was very much into the spiritual tradition. She was always reading new books about it, not just about the Gita, not just about, you know, not just Indian, um, uh, the Vedas or whatever, but she was also reading just spiritual leaders in the modern day. And so there was that aspect of it. There began to be what I didn't realize was a spirituality because of my acting, because I am very fortunate that I chose a career where part of my job is to know myself. to be able to play myself like an instrument. And in order to play an instrument really, really well, you got to know all of it. You got to be able to get in there and dig in. You got to, you know, therapy is great for actors. You know what I mean? Like it's part of the package. So, so many of my, and this is one of my future books, so many of the lessons that I have learned about life have come from looking at how I handle things as an actor, as opposed to the other way around. A lot of people think like, how are you, how do you handle rejection so much as an actor? And I'm like, well, because I was an actor, I learned how to reframe it. And that's in the book too. So that spirituality, yeah, it's developed over time. It's also been, I feel like I don't care what you believe in. If it's God or Buddha or cheddar cheese, if it gets you through the day and makes you a good person and keeps you from causing harm to other people, it's the right thing. Yeah. And for me, I was like, cool. No one's forcing me to pick something. Mm -hmm. And if someone thinks I'm going to hell, okay, I don't know. I'm not there yet. So for now, this is what soothes me. This Mm -hmm. is what gives me solace in dark times. This is what inspires me to go out and do good things. That's my spirituality. I don't know what to call it. I call it Edgar. I don't care. Um, Like That's what it is. That's so beautifully put. Do what makes you feel good. And yeah, and that's what makes you feel good, what makes you do good and do be good. Aspire to be the best version of yourself you can be, whatever that looks like. Yeah. Because yeah. on the days when I am the lowest, on the days when I don't want to get out of bed, and like, I don't want this book to fool anyone, like I, I say it in the book, like I still yeah. have the, the, I think in the last chapter, I would talk yeah. about the terrible spiral of evil that goes through me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. I don't want to get out of bed in the morning one day. And so and we all go through it. Yeah. yeah. It's then what is that thing? What is that drive? What is that? impetus that does get you to go, okay, I am going to get out of bed and I am going to do it. And for me, it's other people. Mm -hmm. I don't care how sad I feel. Someone out there feels worse than I do today. So even if I don't want to do it for me, I can do it for them. Mm -hmm. I don't know where they are. They might be walking their dog outside. They might be at the supermarket. They might be someone that I talk to online. They might be someone that watches a TV show. And I will tell you, it comes back to you. I, that is one thing that is, there is no doubt in my mind that that energy comes right back to you. Yeah. More and more, the more you put it out there. Mm-hmm. That's the law of attraction. It sure is. Yeah. <laughs> like another thing where I'm like, ah, I wish it didn't become so mainstream because I want to just like some people, I want to you know, just manifest your destiny and your abundance. And I'm like, <laughs> it's like, a, there's a little more to it than just like, <laughs> I have a million dollars and a million dollars will come to me. I'm like, no. <laughs>
1: work (laughs) doesn't work that way
2: a little more to it but again like at work you know semantics don't really matter if if, if it's the life that you want to be leading Mm -hmm. making you feel the way you want to feel and helping you do good in the world i don't care what it is it's the right thing for you yeah it's very good
0: So one last and fun question. Okay. Yeah. So you've played so many superhero roles on stage and virtually. Is there a part of Anjali Bimani that always dreamed of being one? And if so, what would your superpower be? Okay.
2: Yes. Immediately. Yes. The answer is yes. So one thing that I, I, when we were talking about spirituality, I thought about bringing up and then it felt like it didn't quite play in, but now it does. I was obsessed with mythology growing up. And because I read all the Amartistrakatas and that's how I learned about religion and history in, in India, for me, the gods were my superheroes. It wasn't just Wonder Woman and Superman, although I had those guys. I had Krishna and I had all of the incarnations of Vishnu and I had all of these different people. And so that sense of, oh, wow, real people have these gods within them. Real people have this inspiration, which means somewhere in there, there's some kind of superpower. I don't know what it is, but it's in there. And that excitement, that agency has always been a part of me. So I've devoured the X-Men. I was obsessed with Wonder Woman and the DC comics. Super, super always into into superheroes. And so superpower of choice has changed over time. (laughs) When I was younger, I just wanted to have super healing powers like Wolverine because I was constantly like spraining my ankle or getting sick or all sorts of things. And I'm like, Oh God, if I could only do that, that'd be awesome. And obviously the super strength that goes with that, because if you're super healing, you should be able to do a bunch of really cool things. But in the last few years, and it's funny because my very first big superhero character, Symmetra, mm-hmm. she has this power, but I, I wanted teleportation. I want the ability to bamf in and out of different places because I would get so much done. Oh my God. Uh-huh. Like I think I'm doing a lot now. Imagine if I could teleport. <laughs>
1: like I could do yeah. a book yeah. part in 24 hours. <laughs> oh my God. That's a that's a superpower. Everybody wants
2: <laughs> Here's the thing. Yeah. Here's the punch. And this is very selfish, I admit it, but you know, a superpower is a thing that not everybody has, right? It's a thing that's unique to you. So if I had the teleportation power, I wouldn't want it to be something that everyone had. Like we all have the technology to, to teleport because mm. then the expectation that everybody does more, you know, the expectation, it's just like during the pandemic, the expectation that everybody can do 24 Zooms a day, it's, just, that was never there before. Exactly. My eyesight has gone to shit during, <laughs> because I'm looking at screens all day. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So yeah, that's, that would be my selfish superpower. I also really, with the healing power, I very much wanted that healing power to extend to being able to heal other people. But then because I overthink things, I thought, okay, but I don't want to play God. I don't want to be that person who has to decide who gets to be okay and who doesn't. So Mm -hmm. let me just make it me so that I can actually do good in the world because nothing's going wrong with me. I can actually like get out and help people because I'm not sitting at home with a busted (laughs) knee.
1: Fair enough. <laughs> That's so fun. That's so fun. Wow. You got me thinking of what superpower I want to have. <laughs> I'm going to be scratching my head for a while on that one. Yeah.
2: <laughs> there's so many shows now that involve not just superheroes, but just unusual superhuman people who have incredible, like the Umbrella Academy. Oh, yeah. And yeah. That have. You're like, huh, I wonder how that power is going to serve them because that doesn't <laughs> seem like a useful superpower. But they have it. It's the thing. So now we can come up with all sorts of
1: (laughs) creative things. And you know what? And you know, coming from this touching on the spiritual side and cultural side as well, coming from India, all of us have a superpower. We can humans actually have the capacity to achieve this and many more. Mm -hmm. And it's out there. That's a fact. And you know, the yogis and the you know the sages or the Himalayas—they're probably doing way more things that you know we're now seeing in movies.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I do yeah. think that goes back to um, learning how to control. And I, I hate using the word manipulate, but it is the accurate word. Manipulate your energy to serve right. the you want it to serve. Um, ideally, you're using it for the powers of good. <laughs> uh, that's also yeah. why there are super villains in the world. Because some people take their experiences and, and they make them bitter or they make them sad or they make them scared. I am a firm believer that no matter what the plot points of your life, they don't define you. What you do with them defines you. And so you can have the shittiest childhood. You can have all these horrible things. Some of my friends who've had the most difficult lives are some of the most open-hearted and kindest. And some of my friends who have had the most privileged and easy lives occasionally are like, kind mm, of being a dick. Come on. Yep. Yep. On <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I do agree. I, I really feel like um we all have. Again, different spiritual traditions call it different things. We we have the Shakti inside us. We have we all have some form of chi. We all have some form of energy coursing through us. And what we choose to do with it, that's mm-hmm. part of the sauce. That's part of the game. Mm-hmm. That's the game of life that you were talking about, about, about thinking like, okay, if this is a game, if this is a simulation and this is a game and I got one chance to play it, how am I going to play it? Yeah, that is right. That's amazing.
0: So, now that we've come to the end, if you all have listened to the episode all the way to here, you're in for a treat because we're honored yeah. to be doing a grand giveaway of a signed copy of Anjali's book, I'm Fun Size and So Are You, along with an amazing goodie bag in partnership with some incredible South Asian brands. Yay. So, you have to head to our Instagram page, Chai Break Podcast and to know all the details of how you can enter and what you can win because you're in for a treat. Oh, so many. If I wasn't stuff. part
2: of the giveaway, I would want, I'd be like, I'm entering. <laughs> <laughs> right, I know. The <laughs> is legit. I want it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Definitely. People sign up. These Okay, I mean, plug your ears. I'm going to shamelessly plug you guys. Um, these gals are such a wonderfully positive force to have in your community because I love the fact that they're not just here talking about our culture or not just here specifically trying to you know, teach people about us being other than them. They are here talking about how we are all similar and welcoming us in, welcoming people in of all shapes and colors and backgrounds and sizes, because we want to share our story. We want to share our experience with each other. And you two are very much doing that on your show. And I love that so much. Thank you, oh, thank, thank you, thank you, thank you. That is so sweet. Thank you so that much. That means a lot. Yes. It means a lot. Yes. Thank
1: you, thank you. And thank you. there are, you know, we were just part of this one big, big, giant community. Actually, like Shweta and I say, your vibe, your tribe. So yep. it's the right
2: vibes, and we meet the right tribe. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, you guys, I'm so bummed this is over, but thank you for having me. I'm really excited that we. Thank you so much for graciously accepting our
0: invitation and for being here. We absolutely loved talking to you. And I'm sure our listeners, too, have enjoyed themselves. Yeah. So until next time, everyone.
1: Bye. Bye.
0: Bye. bye. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it.
1: You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts. Do continue to give us your valuable feedback via ratings, reviews, and click the subscribe or follow button so you don't miss out on our new episodes. Your support
0: means the world to us. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at chai-break-podcast to get the scoop on our latest episodes dropping every Wednesday. You can also write to us at chai at gmail.com.